More than $185 billion was spent on advertising in the U.S. last year. Yet advertising is less regulated than some other media businesses, with trade bodies rather than government agencies doing much of the oversight. But now the U.S. Justice Department is investigating the industry, specifically possible bid rigging in video advertising production. WPP, the world's largest advertising company, is the fourth of the big six ad agency holding companies to admit its subsidiaries have been subpoenaed by the Justice Department. The Antitrust Division of the Justice Department is investigating whether ad agencies manipulated bids for making TV commercials in order to steer business to their own units, according to people briefed on the matter. Our guests are Jennifer Ree, Senior Litigation Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence, and Daniel Crane, Professor at the University of Michigan Law School. Jen, there have been years of tensions between big advertisers and their ad agencies. Was this investigation by justice propelled in any way by a June study commissioned by the Association of National Advertisers? Well, June, thanks for having me first. And before I answer that, I do need to disclose that my husband works for JWT, which is an ad agency that falls under WPP, the agency you were just talking about, and he does hold stock options. So before I get in, I just have to disclose that. Um, Now, what's been reported, at least, that we think, is that a report by this this company, K2, that was commissioned by the Association of National Advertisers. This is a trade association that represents the brand companies or the advertisers, um, suggested that there was a lot of non-transparent activity going on in these ad agencies that wasn't really working out to the benefit of the advertisers, but working out to the benefit of the agencies. And it seems that they mostly were focusing on media companies, media suppliers, but and not so much production, which is what the DOJ is looking at here, but that they did have some findings that might not have fallen into their final report that suggested there may be this kind of bid rigging um, activity going on in which the ad agencies agree with some of these outside production companies not to compete essentially um, and try to get the business in-house because they own some of their own production facilities in-house. They want to give the advertisers several bids. Looks like they're competing. You know, here are three bids. We've come in lower than these other two bids, which at the end of the day, all of them were artificially high. At least this is what, you know, looks like what they're investigating. Um, And it it gives legitimacy to the ad agency's bid because it comes in lower than the others, but they've all agreed to put in these artificially high bids. Daniel Crane, I'll I'll make a confession. I didn't know all that much about the advertising business before this morning. Tell me if I understand this correctly. Is the idea that there are separate markets for the advertising contracts uh, in general and for the video production so that if an ad agency gets a contract, it can't necessarily use its own production facilities? Is that the idea? Right. So the idea is that there is a separate market for the production of advertisements, and that can be done by uh, the vertically integrated uh, shop of an ad agency, or it could be done outside by an independent video production company. As I understand it from media reports, the investigation is centering on allegations that the ad agencies, which already were were dealing with clients to sell advertising uh, in media, had some sort of a uh, kickback or collusive agreement with independent video production companies that the video production companies would submit bogus bids uh, to the client and that the ad agency would therefore be able to come in and win the business for its own uh, in-house video production shop, uh, but doing so at inflated prices. 
Jen, we know that four of the big six ad agencies have been subpoenaed. More might have been. What stage are we at here? Well, you know, this is very early on. These things take time. Um, the subpoenas really mean that they're, they're collecting documents, they're collecting evidence at the DOJ, that is, is collecting evidence and information now. And these things can take several years. You know, as by way of example, we know that there have been some recent um, informations issued by the DOJ in the generic drug world. That's like an indictment um, um, that two people have been involved in price fixing for generic drugs. And this is what shook out of subpoenas that were issued back in 2014. And we're just hearing about some of the results of that investigation now. So that And, and there's also something similar happening in, with auto parts that took many, many years to conclude. So this is at the beginning, and it's going to be a while before we understand what's happening here. Dan, Dan, beyond what we've discussed, uh, are, are there other things you, you might think that the Justice Department might be looking into, or is it primarily that issue of these these uh, potentially, uh, uh, fa I guess, fake or, or, or inflated uh, bids that are being ginned up? So uh, my understanding is that would be the focus of this particular investigation. Obviously, as, as the lead uh, comment on the show made clear, there's been lots of, of, of concern in the advertising business about, um, for example, kickbacks uh, from, um, from media companies uh, or uh, to, to ad agencies that were not passed on to, to, to consumers or, or to, to companies buying ads. That would probably, though, not raise an antitrust issue. It also wouldn't necessarily raise an antitrust issue for a vertically integrated ad agency simply to steer business to its own video production unit, as long as they don't collude with competitors. So as I understand this investigation, it's really centered on allegations of horizontal collusion between competitors for video production, and, and that would be a serious antitrust violation if that were shown to be true. Jen, explain the difference between vertical and horizontal. Oh, sure. So in the horizontal, you're basically competing at the same level of distribution. You know, same service or same product is provided, and you're competing to provide that service or product. Vertical would be at a different level of the chain of distribution. You might be an input maker, um, and you don't compete, let's say, with the manufacturer of the final product that uses that input. So essentially here, the ad agencies are vertically integrated, where they come up with the ad ideas, but then they might have their in-house production, which is, you know, another level level of in, in that chain of the final product and and um so it is in the sense they can steer, you know, wouldn't be an antitrust violation to just try to steer work internally. You're just capturing internal work. This is one of the benefits of being vertically integrated. But where they have that division, that production division that then competes, and they're also hire, might be hiring some of these outside production companies for some jobs, that's where they're also horizontally competing with these production companies. And that's where the, the conspiracy can't take place. We have... We have just about 30 seconds left. Is this a good area, Dan, for there to be more uh, compliance, more regulation? Um, it's an air advertising is an area where it's sort of uh, looking at itself through its own groups. Right. So one thing we don't just know right now, though, is what's going to happen when the Trump administration comes in on January 20th. Uh, and so you ask, is it a good or bad idea? Just in terms of predicting where things are going to go in the next four years, um, in an ordinary year of transition from a Democratic to Republican administration, you would expect there to be a high level of continuity on issues like collusion. This is anything but an ordinary year, though. And, and one thing we just don't know yet is what uh, antitrust enforcement will look like under the Trump administration. 
The business community is guessing about President-elect Trump's antitrust policy position because it's an area he has said very little about. Trump has accused several companies of violating antitrust laws and vowed to regulate their conduct. For example, the AT&T-Time Warner merger. As an example of the power structure I'm fighting, AT&T is buying Time Warner and thus CNN a deal we will not approve in my administration because it's too much concentration of power in the hands of too few. Yet the people on his transition team advising him on antitrust have records of conservatism. We've been talking with Jennifer Ree, senior litigation analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence, and Daniel Crane, professor at the University of Michigan Law School. Jen, what's your analysis of what the Trump administration policy in antitrust might be? <laughs> well, I really don't have one because, it, as you said it, 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 everybody's guessing about this. I mean, with the comments that he made on the campaign trail about AT&T, and also there were some about Comcast and NBCU and Amazon, you know, it's unclear. Are, are these part of his populist message? Is this is this what he intends, the direction he tends to go in antitrust, or, you know, or is this just his anger at the media, you know, and, and his, his in a desire to lash out to the media or, or, or scare the media? Um, it, it's really unclear. And, and the people he has advised, now we don't know who he'll be appointing at the Department of Justice or Federal Trade Commission, but the people advising him on these things are two gentlemen, you know, both have records of conservatism. One was a former FTC commissioner who all of his votes were quite conservative. Um, another one uh, had worked for the Department of Justice under George Bush, you know, and, and I guess I, I'd say that if you look at their records and, and things they've said publicly, that they're more typical, they take a more typical Republican approach, which is generally to let businesses regulate themselves you know, a little bit more hands-off. I think in some areas that there's really been a bipartisan consensus that we need to go after the really egregious antitrust activity, like what we were just talking about, bid rigging and price fixing. But sometimes these mergers, when they're evaluated, you know, they're really difficult. It's a very difficult decision. They could be borderline. Sometimes they might have the potential to put, you know, harm a market to some extent, but they also might have some very great synergies and pro-competitive benefits. And I think when you have those sort of on the borderline there, those deals that are difficult calls, that's where you might see Democrats and Republicans coming out differently. And that's where we have a record, for, for instance, of Josh Wright, who's advising on the FTC, coming out differently than some of the Democratic commissioners. What's your take on that, Dan? Are we going to see a, a typical Republican administration when it comes to antitrust law? Well, I think Jennifer is right that to the extent that we measure our predictions by the people directly involved in the transitional antitrust, uh, it'll look like a fairly conservative antitrust regime, both at the Federal Trade Commission and the Justice Department. Uh, the one thing we don't know, of course, is to what extent Donald Trump himself uh, would be personally involved in making decisions about antitrust enforcement uh, at, at the case-specific level. I mean, for the last 30 or 40 years, that's really been a big no-no. Presidents have stayed very much removed from the uh, the, the the enforcement decisions as to particular cases to be brought or not to be brought. Uh, in, in, indeed, that's really a decision made professionally at the Justice Department and the Federal Trade Commission. Um, but with you know, with Donald Trump, you just don't know what sort of a managerial style he'll have, whether he uh, would become much more active in, in saying, here are particular cases we should bring or not bring. And at least as to the Justice Department, uh, you know, if he has a bean his bonnet about AT&T Time Warner and really wants to communicate to the Justice Department that they should put up a fight, uh, he might break with precedent and, 
and, and actually give that kind of a direction. So I think part of the, the, just the guessing game here we really don't know is not only we don't know who will be in the leadership at, at DOJ and FTC, um, my, my working guess is those will be fairly typical Republicans, uh, but the real question is to what extent will, will, will Donald Trump and, and Jeff Sessions uh, actually take more of a personal managerial role uh, with respect to some of these matters, and if so, it might, uh, might surprise us all. We certainly have been surprised by a lot recently. Thank you both for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Daniel Crane, professor at the University of Michigan Law School, and Jennifer Ree, senior litigation analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. And for more of Jennifer's antitrust analysis, you can go to BIGO on the Bloomberg Terminal.